You want to know what happened today at joint practices with the Tennessee Titans? We have you covered here on the Real Forno Show. There was quite a bit going on along with what you should be looking for during these unique practices. Plus, we're going to preview Saturday's preseason tilt with the Tennessee Titans and how these joint practices change the dynamic. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Fornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. You're looking live. Not recorded today. Live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Forno. With me, as always, top right corner. His name is producer Dave. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. It's Wednesday. A lot of it work. Is a lot of work. Speaking of a lot of work, there was a lot of work done on TCO practice fields today, and you are going to tell us about it. Yes, there was quite a bit going on at TCO Performance Center. I was not there today. Uh, but I, there were plenty of people there who were reporting. So I kind of gathered all the information I could. And we are going to talk about it here tonight. And we're going to talk about how these practices matter in terms of what we're going to see on Saturday. Because some of these guys aren't going to play. And that starts like up at the top. And we have to start with Jordan Addison. Uh, he was mysteriously not at practice today. And it was kind of like, okay. Why? What's going on? It, we haven't seen him on the injury report. And Kevin O'Connell said after practice, he banged his head during uh, a two-minute drill during walkthroughs the other day. And he was experiencing some very minor symptoms. So they're just like, now we're not going to risk it. Just take some time. They're expecting him to be back by Monday. And that probably means he's not playing this weekend, which is fine. Addison has already shown that, yeah, he's good. He doesn't really need the reps like other rookies do. Like you would want like Mikai Blackman to get extra reps, like, or maybe even at Ingram right now, just because of where he's at in his development. Look, I'm curious how it, Ed did today. If anybody, I didn't see any reporting on how the line did, but they may have been too far away. I heard Jeffrey Simmons was wrecking on the interior, but that's par for the course. He's like a top five defensive tackle in football. That like, I'm not gonna whine about that. It just kind of is what it is. And you just froze up. My wordless opinion. You talk about delicate. Yes, we worry about his size, but bouncing your head off the ground that could happen to anybody. As I was telling Darren Campbell, my partner on Tool Bloggers today, they he has a. I looked at his helmet. He's got a brand new modern helmet that should be good. They probably need to put him in the Death Star padding type deal so that that doesn't happen again. And we'll see how it goes from there. We'll expect to see him back next week. So there I'm we not go. that worry about Addison. But it, it sucks that that's concussion number one. Yeah, and it, to my knowledge, they didn't even say he has an official concussion. They he just know that he banged his head. And he, yeah, well, 
he was experiencing mild symptoms. It Which, seems to be more of a precautionary thing than an actual diagnosis. Like, and I, I just want that to be clear. It doesn't like they never said he has a concussion. He had and, enough of the indicators that they put him on the protocol. So yeah, that'll go down as concussion number one. Whether he actually bruised his brain or not is a different that, story. That, that's the thing. It, it That doesn't necessarily mean it's a concussion just because you're in the protocol. If you have one symptom, they can put you in there. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a one-to-one. I'm, that's all I'm saying. We, it was never a confirmed he has a concussion. He had mild symptoms, and they just, just, they're just playing it super safe. So that that's just something to be cognizant of. We, I'm not going to call it a concussion until I'm told it's a concussion just because I don't want to, I, I don't want to jump that hoop. I'm not a doctor. So I'm going to trust that. Hey, yeah, we're not diagnosing it. What I'm saying though, is once they put him in the concussion protocol, when it comes to injury reporting across the board, it's going to be listed. He's in the protocol and they're going to assume that is the first time. Right, that counts as one against him. That's not how that comes to treatment. Like it, like you're talking about, like the three concussion rule. That is not an official rule for like the NFL rule book. That is something that trainers utilize. If you have a third concussion, you just shut him down. That that's like it's he's going to be listed in the protocol. Like on the injury report, it'll say concussion protocol. It won't say concussion. And I think that that's an important distinction. That's why I'm not calling it an officially concussion because we just don't know. But it's it's a hundred percent noteworthy is in the protocol. Look, it's semantic bullshit at the end of the day. It really is. But it also matters because when we talk about a guy like a Caleb Evans who had three concussions, like that's that's why we're having this conversation. Oh, Aaron, yeah, Dave and I aren't fighting. Are you kidding me? He kicked my ass. Like that's not like that's just how it is. He's got the military background. I'm done, but it, it, it's, it's semantics. Like I, I just want to be careful about labeling it when it's not official. All right. You be careful. I'm calling it. He's in the protocol. Thus number one. Now, Hey, last year with Evans, they said one of the three that he was down for probably wasn't a concussion. That may be the case, but he was listed as being in a concussion protocol three times. And uh, I think that this will end up being a nothing burger. Keep it in the back of your mind. That's why we're having this conversation because of what happened with the Caleb Evans last year. Be cognizant of it. Don't forget it. Now it was disappointing that he didn't end up practicing because it would have been nice to see him go up against more competition because we, we want double and triple and quadruple confirmation that this guy's legit before we start cr- crowning him, you know, <laughs> I, I spoke in articles last week like I don't want to be hyperbolic but this guy is the real deal he's doing everything that we expected of him coming from the college level and he's doing it against NFL competition and I think that's important as well everybody he's doing can, more than I expected I expected more of a rookie tra- uh, transition everybody in college does what they do well at the college level when they get drafted it's about can you do that same thing against much better competition? Because the best cornerback you're going to face in college probably ends up being like the 40th best cornerback on average in the national football league. 
That's that's the step up in competition that you're talking about here. And Addison just been doing it against everybody and the size hasn't been an issue yet. We'll see when you get a really physical corner who literally just wants to punch you right in the throat. But right now, he's doing everything that you want to see. He's doing everything that you expect and don't expect. And he's showing that he could be a real dynamic weapon opposite of Justin Jefferson, which could really change the dynamic of this offense. And that's why I didn't want to be hyperbolic just because it's like, I don't want to crown him before he's done anything in the league. But this guy looks and feels every bit like a potential superstar. And I'm very excited to see how that plays out. And opposite Justin Jefferson with TJ Hawkinson in the mix as well. (laughs) Coverage. That is where the real intrigue lies with him. And like Justin Jefferson at Adam Thielen opposite him. And that made things easier for him right away until people figure out, Hey, this guy's better. Let's give him that kind of coverage. And that's how that ended up happening. So we'll keep an eye on Addison, but because Addison was out this, I found very intriguing. Jalen Rager was running with the ones in 11 personnel sets. Yes. Jalen Rager. And if you read my stuff on vikingswire.com, you know that I thought Jalen Rager has been pretty impressive throughout training camp from what I've seen. And he did so in the game as well. And to me, that's the most important thing. How is practice transitioning to the game? Some guys are practice guys. Some guys are game guys. Some guys are a little bit of both. Rager has so far been both. He balled out in the game. He's been balling out in practice. And this is a, a earned reward. Yes, Jalen Naylor's out. But Rager has been very good. As wide receiver two or three? Oh, three. Okay. Yeah, because I heard I mean, uh, KJ had a good day today. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if he was getting some looks in two wide receiver sets, too, just because they've been working in and uh, Addison in those spots. And it wouldn't shock me if Rager got a couple of those opportunities, too. But I'm not saying Rager's going to be a star. I'm not saying he's even going to be really good. I'm saying that he's playing competent when last year he wasn't. And when you have a guy who's drafted in the first round, you get him to figure out competent. Maybe you have something. Maybe you don't. There really isn't a one-to-one comp here right now. Like You can say, hey, he's going to be X, Y, or Z. But Rager has a real shot to make this roster, not just because of his fully guaranteed $2.42 million salary, but his performance. And that's huge for this Vikings offense because if you can get a guy like Rager who's great in the open field with the ball in his hands, doing normal receiver stuff, something you couldn't get Cordero Patterson to do, no matter how much you try. That's a huge <laughs> win for this Vikings offense, and it gives them an extra element of dynamic playmaking that you can utilize in a lot of different ways. Quite frankly, I'm very excited about it. I don't know how well it's going to translate to the regular season, but it's a great sign that you're seeing this kind of competence and improvement. And we shouldn't be talking about a guy being more competent, being that he was a first-round pick in 2020, three years ago. But that's just where we're at with him and his development. And it just kind of is what it is. Hey, he well, you is had Doc, better. Doc Proto says maybe the light came on. And Giatano Amato says, you know, reiterates the same thing. Doc Proto maybe gets it. And then Giatano, you never know when the light comes on. So, hey, if the light comes on for all of them, that's great. We want to see that. We want to see that on the back end, too, with a few... 
defensive players as well, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah, and we, we're going to get more into a lot of stuff here, but it, just keep an eye out on, for Rager. It's very, very interesting. Um, Rhonda doesn't have confidence. And look, I don't blame anybody for not having confidence in Jalen Rager. I'm telling you, it's different. It is different than last year in how it feels, how it looks, and how he's performing. And because you're seeing, I'm seeing constant different. That's a big deal because that tells me it's more of a trend than a mirage. And I think that's where Rhonda is coming from, where it's like, okay, we're seeing these good things, but we saw so much bad and we've seen so much bad throughout his career. But when you put a string together of these good practices, performances in practice, and then a good preseason game, and then you're getting rewarded by working with the ones, albeit injury related as well. But he was the guy who wasn't Tristan Jackson. It wasn't Brandon Powell. It wasn't uh, Blake Prohl, Thayer Thomas, any of those other guys, or even Nikhil it definitely Harry. definitely wasn't Jalen Naylor. Yeah, well, he's injured. I'm not counting him. The we already mentioned that. But the fact, that, the fact that Rager's getting these opportunities and playing well is a big deal. And just sometimes it's hard. And I, I'm... Rhonda, I, I apologize if it sounds like this. I'm not trying to like um, rain on your parade or anything, but we all are guilty of this, including myself. Sometimes it's hard to come off a prior, no, it, even though you've seen new information. So I, I just keep tabs on him throughout the rest of the preseason. If he continue, keeps this up, we're looking at something that is not a, that is not a mirage at all. Right now, you can argue it's a mirage because it's only a couple weeks. But when you have three seasons of data on it, but I'll say this, that preseason game, he looked legit good. He looked like a real wide receiver. That is important because he never did in the previous 18 games he played for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm very intrigued to see how this continues to develop because at the end of the day, he's a first round pick. Or I wouldn't have Philadelphia. And Aaron says maybe coached up. That's quite possible. Working with different coaches during the offseason, working with Justin Jefferson, getting tips and tricks, maybe so. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's a full offseason with this regime. Philly is an incredibly difficult market to work work in. And I talked about that on Monday's show. Like it, there's so many nuances that are different here than they were in Philly, and there's growth. There's real growth that we're seeing with Rager. That's important as well. So just keep it in mind. I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to continue to develop, but that we don't know. Let's keep talking about uh, this team. The defense is continuing to bring pressure, and they're continuing to do so. And I saw multiple tweets. Oh, the Vikings have at least five sacks already today. Well, sacks are a very interesting thing when it comes to training camp practices because they don't officially get them, but you visually see them. So it's not an official stat, but if a defensive lineman basically gets close to the quarterback and they don't move the ball at all, you basically count that as a sack and then they just finish the rep because you still want to be able to get practice. Hey, we're going to hit the receiver in this hole, in this window, and we want to get that kind of timing down too. So there's layers to it, but there's a clip yeah. of Daniel Hunter just Don't absolutely obliterating the right tackle. And he is, he looks every bit healthy. He looks every bit as good as he ever was. 
and the way this defense attacks and is aggressive and wants to just annihilate you. It's it's kind of like and not like as well. It the like a kamikaze assault, but they're playing it a lot smarter than just be like, ah, we're all goners. Let's just we're just going to go on an all out attack. It's a much more calculated style, but it feels like they're just doing all out stuff all the time based on how incredibly aggressive they are, which is why I kind of draw that parallel. Hunter is going to thrive here because of how he's built, how he ends up winning in pass rush situations. Cause he can win with power. He can win with speed. He, he wins really, really well with counter moves. The one thing he's not phenomenal at compared to a lot of elite edge rushers is he doesn't have that great get off. He wins in so many other ways that this guy, once his athleticism starts to win at like 35, he can still rush the passer. Theoretically, of course, because of how he wins. He doesn't need to rely on speed. He relies on everything else. And the everything else matters more as you get older than being quick off the ball. And I'm very, very intrigued to see what his performance is in this defense. Same with Marcus Davenport. Well, that has brought up my next question. How does Davenport look on the opposite side? We're not hearing a lot about Davenport other than he's playing from outside nine all the way into three tech and they're moving him around, but we haven't heard, you know, man, this is great, man. We're seeing him do this, man. We're seeing it. We haven't heard a whole lot of anything. We haven't heard he's bad, but we haven't heard he's great either. It's just, we're not hearing anything. It's a complicated thing. I, I'm not reading much into this at all because there, I, I, I don't know if he was officially injured, but he sat out a lot early on. And because he sat out a lot early on, I think that is kind of what mattered the most to people. And I think they're just going to slow play it, but I'm really intrigued to see how he looks because he's basically Zadarius Smith with elite athleticism. And that is a dangerous combination. His pressure percentage was ninth in the league last year. He got home at 17.6% of all of his pass rushes. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot because Daniel Hunter was at like 17.2 and Zadarius was incredibly high at 19.2 and he was like fifth. But like only like one elite edge rusher was above 25%. Bryce Huff of the uh, New York Dutch was at 25%, but he only had like, I don't know, like 60 pass rush reps and he got home on 15 of them. It was it was some small sample size like that, but Nick Bosa was like twenty two percent, and he's one of the best edge rushers in football, if not the best. That tells you how difficult it is to get home on a regular basis. So having those kind of numbers is really good. And now you're going to be putting him at, like you said, a three tech, four eye, five technique, seven technique, wide nine. You're going to be using him all over the field. Not to mention probably standing him up in the a gaps with the simulated pressure looks like Mike Zimmer used to bring Flores is going to do a lot of that. He's already shown a lot of that. And if you don't know, simulated pressure is when you basically stand up, like you're going to blitz and then you bail out and it simulates that you're going to pressure, but you don't actually do it. And, And that is a really big thing when it comes to trying to mess with the quarterback, because that can, that can tell them something is coming and then it doesn't. And then the, all of a sudden they've adjusted the protections and the protection was adjusted for something that isn't happening. And that's when you get chaos up front and you can really make an impact. So I'm really intrigued to see Davenport 
rocking this defense. And it's going to be really fun. Week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, either against Baker Mayfield, who has had struggles <laughs> in the pocket, or Kyle Trask, who I like, but is immobile and isn't a guy that's going to beat you with his feet. Baker can do a little bit of that. He loves to stay in the pocket and he prefers it, but he can move if he has to. And those facing one of those two guys is going to be really interesting that week one and to see how Flores wants to be uncomfortable. Can you imagine 10 guys up on the line of scrimmage or in the box and the offensive line and the quarterback going, Oh shit, which ones are coming? Which ones are dropping back and not knowing because Flores could flip it. Metellus could come. Harrison Smith could come. You know, your interior guys, Tonga will obviously be rushing, but you have other guys that could back out, you know, at the last second. Your wide your linebackers, Ivan Pace Jr. Possibly. You just won't know. And it's gonna mess with quarterbacks and centers' minds on how to call, you know, blocking. It's gonna be a mess for the opposing team. I can't wait to see it. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be real interesting to see how it plays out. And there's a lot of different elements with this defense. And one thing that we see a lot with this defense that I haven't mentioned as far as like simulated pressures and that kind of thing is that zero blitz that you keep hearing about. And what it is, is you get anywhere from six to eight guys or even more on the line. And what they do is they figure out um, what the protection is going to be. And that protection is that determined. And then what they do is they over, try and overload the other side. And they'll have two guys on, on that on that side that's they're trying to really protect. And they'll just back out and drop into coverage. And then you have an overload. So you have four guys attacking three blockers. And that's where you get a lot of those like pressures and sacks. Well, and, zero blitz is everybody comes with the exception of whoever is manned up against receivers. So you have that one extra guy um, that accounts for the quarterback. So if you have three wide receivers, everybody but three, and maybe somebody covering the tight end, is coming. And yes, they do try to overload one side or the other. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, very, very fun. But... One thing we haven't talked a lot about, and you haven't heard from a lot of other people, you're going to get frustrated with this defense because it's going to get too aggressive at times. And you're going to wish, hey, can we be a little bit more conservative? That's This is a massive shift. And this team is going to get burned. And just be prepared for it. It's going to happen. There's going to be no stopping it. They're, they're just It's just going to happen. Be, just be aware of that and be understanding. It's like you got to take the good with the bad. You can't be super conservative and then it fails. To, oh, I want to be aggressive. And then you get too aggressive. Oh, it fails. It's being more conservative. Like we're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum here. So just something to be careful of as we kind of continue on. Um, we're seeing more and more good from Brandon Powell. This receiver room is deep. You don't have six Justin Jeffersons, but you have one Justin Jefferson, a couple really good options in KJ Asmore and Jordan Addison, then you have a lot of really good depth guys. And when we say a deep receiver room, we're not talking about a bunch of twos and threes. We have a lot of guys who could play wide receiver four 
And I think that is really important when you talk about depth. Jalen Rager, Brandon Powell. In theory, Jalen Naylor. We'll see if he ever returns to practice. It certainly doesn't feel like it's anytime soon at this point. Tristan Jackson. Like Nikhil Harry has been shockingly good. And I, I kind of laughed at the signing. Like, what are they signing him to play guard? Just because like <laughs> he's a big I, guy. Oh, he can't separate. And he's been doing well in one-on-ones, but it's also one-on-ones. Now, They're designed to make the receivers look good. But even so, he is, does not have the quickness to separate. He doesn't have the ability to do so with technique. It's basically, I'm going to box you out like a power forward in the NBA. That's his game. And he's been doing a lot more than that here, which is really interesting. The fact that it's go- he's going into year five and he's finally figuring some of this out. Like, it, it just feels off to me. Well, that, and I've heard that once he catches the ball and he gets away from whoever's defending him, he turns on the speed at that point, speed that you don't see when he's running the routes, but, at, but that he's good at that. And it's like, okay, I can't wait to watch. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I mean, I've seen the highlights of him catching balls during training camp and he looks good. He's catching balls. And you're right. He boxed the guys, guys out. He'll turn his back to those, you know, to the linebacker, whoever it is coming across the middle. And he presents the big target, gets hit, grabs the ball, starts running. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll, I'm very intrigued to see how this receiver room ends up shaping up. I cut down day in just two weeks because there's a lot of talent. And it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down to special teams, but we'll see. And a couple more things. Harrison Smith continues to be utilized around the line of scrimmage. That's the theme. That's what he's good at. He's good at being, uh, being a little annoying pest. He's like that mosquito that flies into your house. that You just can't kill. And I don't mean that. (laughs) He is annoying in all the positive ways that you want to see on defense. Smith is going to make people really annoyed this next year. And I can't wait for it. He is going to be in position. He's going to be put in position to thrive. And he's going to be doing a lot of the things that you used to see with Mike Zimmer, rushing the passer, hanging out around the line of scrimmage, making plays in the running game, shooting gaps. And he's going to be given a lot of, autonomy to be able to make some of those decisions because he's such a smart player. And I think once you really get some of that cohesiveness in the back and down with guys that can't buy him with the linebackers and understanding, Hey, I I'm going to communicate because I'm going to come up here and just mess the play up. If this guy bails out and it's play action, I need you to take him. That kind of communication is going to be really key to the success of his defense when a Harrison Smith decides, Hey, I'm going to go just wreck the play. And that that's what makes this thing so much fun, man. Harrison Smith is going to be in position to be Harrison Smith again. Not, he wasn't last year. He was just past. Hey, just go play cover two, go play quarters. He didn't have a sack for the first time since 2013. And he only had one tackle for loss. He has 16.5 sacks in his career. And it's the first time he's only had one uh, tackle for loss when I think every other year he's had at least four. This guy is a monster and he needs to be utilized like one. And that that's going to be really fun. 
from people that have talked to him, they say he's super duper excited because he's absolutely loving this, how he's being utilized and going to be utilized in this system. And he's just fired up. It's, it's like he's reborn. He can't wait. And I hope he dominates and gets another Pro Bowl because that hopefully will secure him a spot in the Hall of Fame. But he, that he's just fired up. I learned this last week, and I'm trying to remember where in the lineage it goes. But Mike Zimmer and Brian Flores come from the same lineage of where they learned their defense. And now it goes back. It goes back prior to Mike Zimmer. But the same coaches that were involved, it all fed off that one sort of tree, which I found mm-hmm. it fascinating because the defenses are similar. And yeah, it's not defense. the Fangio. It's totally different from the Fangio side. And I don't remember if it came from the Giants and Parcells or where somewhere back in that lineage, there's a, a common coach, defensive coordinator. That it all starts. I want to say that it's a Belichick thing because Belichick obviously coached four parcels mm. for the better part of two decades. It was at the Browns. If I remember correctly, it was at the Browns and Belichick was at the Browns. Oh, so that's was, a him and Saban thing. Um, but I want to say it wasn't Belichick in particular. It was his DC. That was Nick Saban. Okay, then it wasn't Saban. But Saban comes from that, is on that same lineage. Yep. Um, and he does, he does a lot of the same things, but he's got kind of his own verbiage and little nuanced differences. But it's it's basically like, hey, do you want a Red Delicious or a Gala Apple? Like, uh-huh. th- that's what we're talking about here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Smith is going to be really, really fun to watch this year. And. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple more real quick hitters here, and then we're going to start to preview this uh, Saturday night's game against the Titans because it is going to be different. But Kai Blackman apparently continues to look really good in camp, and uh, he got beat I, once today on a clip I saw. No, that's fine. He's going to get beat. Corners out, are out. they're supposed to get beaten in these in these things. It's when they don't that raises your eyebrows. So. Blackman, obviously rookie this year coming out of USC by way of Colorado. It's very interesting that he's getting all this playing time because he's a rookie, but he's earned it. And I think that's, what's really cool. People crap on Mike Zimmer for not playing rookies. When in reality, he didn't play bad rookies. He would play rookies guys like Stefan Diggs. Oh yeah. He played Diggs. He, he had no problem playing O'Neal. I mean, Rashad Hill went down first, but then he's like, all right, O'Neal, it's your, your gig. Let's go. Like, he'll play you if you're good. If you're bad, he's not going to play you. That's like coaches shouldn't be putting guys in those positions. He got a bad rap for it. O'Connell is kind of doing the same thing, but of course he's not getting that rap. You're, pl- you're playing if you deserve to play, not because, oh, we invested X pick in you. And I think that's really, really cool. And Blackman is certainly earning that. He's playing the nickel corner role, but he's not really playing inside a lot. He's playing more outside. And we kind of knew that coming in because Byron Murphy Jr. was going to slide from outside to inside and give the Vikings that kind of versatility. So Blackman looking good in those situations, looking good with those reps. 
I think that's objectively great. And we'll kind of see how it continues to grow. We have right. a new what? viewer, Ahmed. Welcome to see you. Good to see you. Well, all right, let's talk about this really quick, and then, um, then we're going to go on to like a, a good preview. Traylon Burks was carted off from practice today. This is kind of the the frustrating thing um, about these practices. It's it's just practice, but guys get hurt, and Burks did unfortunately. But news came back really well. It was an LCL injury. Looks like he's only going to be out a few weeks instead of what could have been way worse. LCLs are really weird injuries. You don't see them a lot. It's one of the four ligaments in your knee. ACL is the most common. MCL is right behind it. PCL and LCL are the other two that you you just don't see very often. But I think it's noteworthy that he's going to be okay. And now that we know he's going to be okay, we can kind of move on and be like, all right, that's all good. Last thing here really quick. Cousins ended practice during interception. I don't care. Throw interceptions in practice. That's that's what that's what uh you're here for. You got to test your boundaries, you got to figure out your limits. And if he throws practice uh, in practice or in training camp, good. Keep throwing them. Figure out what your limits are and then then you'll be able to be able to translate that to the regular season. And that is it on practice. Yeah, and Cousins uh, was into the wind, and he was trying to fit it in a hole, and it just didn't go there. Now, according to Judd Zolgad, who happens to work for you, there was one star of the show today. Who was that? Formerly number 66 last preseason, Mr. Wright. And supposedly he was just absolutely booming punts. Yeah, so, yeah. I heard he had a 90 yarder, but, um, and we're, well, those are difficult conversations to have. Um, if you remember, uh, Matt Ariza, who is called punk God, and then the whole draft conversation with him, because he ended up being released by the bills when he was charged with sexual assault from his college days, from just a football perspective before that release, there was a really big debate about him, whether he was going to translate to the NFL or not, because he would just boom these massive punts but they would be like shallow line drives yeah. and not have a lot of hang time. And apparently that's what Ryan Wright was doing today. There's a certain level where if you just boom it far enough, it doesn't really matter. But if you get it too short and then that gives like a, a, a really big window for these guys to return, you can easily get 20 yard returns on like a 70 yard punt. And that could turn into something more based on how the blocking develops in front of you. So that's noteworthy in itself. And I like I want to see some of the technical stuff. Obviously, he has a big leg. We know that. He averaged like 47 yards a punt last year. But how's he doing from a technical aspect? That I want to know. And we'll kind of fi- see how that ends up progressing throughout the course of the training camp for the regular season. Can he, is, can he do both? I don't know. We'll but find out. I think he can. Yeah. Now, the biggest question through all this that you did not answer is, the interior line, offensive line. From what you've read and what you've heard and what you've seen today, how did they do? I heard Jeffrey Simmons had his way, but he's also a top five defensive tackle. That's all I heard. I didn't really hear anything else. Um, look, it's Jeffrey Simmons. He's he's going to be a monster, and that just kind of is what it is. 
I don't know anything more than that. Unfortunately, I was not at practice and I'll have to talk to Judd when we record purple access on Friday. Now, Kevin O'Connell said in his post practice press conference, say that three times fast that, uh, he thought the O line did pretty good. The, the lines did pretty good and that they took it up right up to the point where they wanted him to. So, Everybody that's sitting here in the remarks and watching, be advised, there was a point they didn't want them to take it beyond, and supposedly they did not. So, you know, you're not going full throttle. Full throttle sometimes makes a difference. Yeah, you might get beat, somebody going around you, but in a full throttle game, you're going to shove that guy into the dirt. That wasn't yeah. allowed to happen today. Yeah, that's 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 a good thing. We'll kind of see how that continues to grow and develop. But let's get a quick preview in of Saturday night's game. We're not going to see a lot of the first teamers. We may not see any first teamers because of the work that they're getting here in these two practices. And that's why they're so valuable because you get these live reps without them really being like true live reps and you get that kind of practice. And that's sometimes better for like your top guys. And then you have your second and third stringers play the entirety of the preseason game. That's what happened last year when the Vikings hosted the San Francisco 49ers in the preseason. I would expect that to translate one-to-one. So we're probably going to get a lot of Nick Mullins, a lot of Jaron Hall, and hopefully Jaron Hall runs with the twos because we didn't learn nearly as much about him as we would like to because of the talent he was playing with. Plus the vanilla playbook isn't helping. So I would expect Hall to at least get a little run with the twos. I don't know how... They're going to segment that, but uh, Kevin O'Connell's, to my knowledge, is still happy with the progress of Hall, which is good. He was spotted a half hour after practice continuing to work, which is a great sign for any young player. You want to see them continue to put in the work as they continue to grow. But we're going to see a lot of twos and threes, and that's good because you want to figure out who's going to be on the back end of this roster. I, I kind of took a look and identified 40 guys that I think are mortal locks to make the roster, which is everybody in this draft class, but Dwayne McBride. And like it's guys that y- you would expect to be on the list. So in essence, everybody else is fighting for about 13 roster spots. That's not a lot considering there's 90 players on this team and you have 40 guys basically guaranteed a roster spot. That's That's a lot. So these preseason games are really important and we're going to, we're going to hopefully see some more growth from Ty Chandler who had a great game against the Seattle Seahawks, figuring out how to balance his vision with explosiveness through, through holes. And he played really, really well um, over the course of that game. And I'm really excited to kind of see how he continues to grow and develop. Then you have uh, Kenny Wong. Was he ever going to get back on the field? my knowledge he's still in that that's not good for him being running back too let me tell you i don't know hey we got our i think i don't know if it hit just now but we got our first dislike and i'd always like to know why we get those but they do help the algorithm and we appreciate it because it's showing interest everybody that's watching we appreciate it i'd love to see some more likes uh, subscribes and shares as we're trying to grow. We're at 920 subscribers right now, 
before the show started. We'd like to get a thousand before the season starts. So help us with that. Share us with friends. Share us with your favorite Vikings fans. Hell, share us with some Packer friends of yours. We'll give them crap. Not to worry. But just share. Thanks. Dave, we're up to 923. So three people have subscribed since we started. Woo-hoo. And that rules. Thank you very much for doing so. Let's talk about a couple guys that I want to see improvement from um, week over week. And then we're going to go here. I want to see Andre Carter. Carter obviously has a struggle with power. We've talked ad nauseum about why it's the army cadet training versus training to play football. And he does not have the uh, requisite strength. And when he gets locked up, it's pretty much done, but he can zoom around the corner and he can bend really well for a guy who's six, seven. And if you can prevent the offensive lineman from really clinching you, you can do a lot. But he needs to figure out the rest of his game. And I want to see how he grows from his first, his first performance in the preseason and how he continues to adapt and figure out how to play in the NFL. Because it's not the same as what he was doing in college because it's a much different game. It's one that's much more physical and he's got to attack, attack, attack. I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to end up looking here this year because it's a different game. And outside of him, we got to watch Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, He got burned on a slant and go route by Jake Bobo, where he just... Bobo used his aggressiveness against him, where he figured out, hey, if I take one hard step inside, I can just break out and be able to get a score. Well, it worked. And Booth looked really bad in the process. How is that going to manifest itself moving forward? Is he going to be able to figure these things out? I genuinely don't know. And that's kind of scary considering you just took him at 42nd overall. But this was always the worry with him because of how aggressive he is and how much he likes to attack. Can you get him to play within himself and play more controlled while still being aggressive? That's a delicate balance for any player, especially one at cornerback, which is a very, very, very volatile position. I think that's something to wor- uh, worth watching for, worth noticing, and it's going to be really intriguing uh, to see. I will say Patrick uh, makes a comment in the chat about Carter having a mysterious injury where he lands on IR. Here's the thing. You can't practice if you're on injured reserve. So he's not going to get any reps. All he can do is be in the weight room. I don't know if that's the route the Vikings would prefer with him. It could be. I don't know. And Dr. Proto makes a comment that the dislike was could have been because of the lack of Odie and Claire. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> he very well may be correct. My wife is home, and it's so much easier for me to do the show up in my office without having to worry about the dogs because Odie gets a little crazy and he clearly has to be with me. Otherwise Odie just goes after her and tries to play, 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 play. So we'll see. Um, we'll end on this digits. Asks any, any idea how the 12 package personnel package can help the O line and passing down, especially the weaker interior. Absolutely can, because you can slide protection. So 
if you have Josh Oliver, who you know is going to be blocking, and we did a lot of these types of plays on Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, where you get the play action bootleg and it's only two guys out on the route and they're running deep routes. We had a lot of success with those. Then you have two tight ends staying in to block and you can double team the outside. And those things matter because if you double team the outside, then you can all of a sudden double team on the inside. And Mm -hmm. that's how you can kind of shift protection. Plus you could just have a guy like on split zone. So what split zone does is you have a tight end or fullback cross the formation. So if you have right here, bottom of this pen, Josh Oliver, and the ball's here, he crosses the ball in order to get a, uh, in order to get a block. And that guy is usually left unblocked uh, for that exact purpose. So those kinds of things matter. And when you have a guy like Josh Oliver, who's a tremendous blocker, that takes it to a different level. And you'll be able to kind of work with that and be more apt to trust a tight end to be to block on the edge because Oliver has proven that he can do it. So there's a lot of different things that they can do. I don't necessarily know how much they'll utilize that, but it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. And that's it. This Saturday's game is going to be fun, Dave. I am very intrigued to see what this team continues to grow and look like. It's hard to get a full semblance of it because you're using such a vanilla playbook. It's like, uh, like if you've ever played Madden, you, you get like access to like 150 plays. Right. It's like they simplified it to like the core basics and you're running like 16, like the NFL blitz playbook. Like you're just running so few plays and you're barely like game planning. Like you have basic stuff. Like if you know you're going to run against a lot of cover three, you're going to run seams. You're going to try to attack the seams, but you're not necessarily game planning with your playbook because you're saving that for the regular season. So it's about performing within the context of what you're being asked to do. And that's basically just beat the other guy. And that's what we want to see. We want to see our guys beat their guys and do it consistently. That's what I'm going to be watching for the most this weekend against the Tennessee Titans. I gotcha. I've got one question for a viewer. I've seen model last few shows. VAQ embrace the suck. What branch is my question? Okay. Well, that make sure if you don't answer it while we're still on the live show, throw it in the comment section. Make sure you, you hit like, subscribe, do all the fun things, help us grow the algorithm, help us grow this channel. And we're trying to get to that 1000 mark because that 1000 mark helps us grow even faster. And it makes such a big difference for the YouTube algorithm and um, our success as well. And we're trying to take this to another level. And that's that's going to happen with your support. And we've been incredibly appreciative of it. And we're looking forward to continue to provide great Vikings content all year round. And don't forget this Sunday, you're going to get a recap of that Vikings Titans game on two old bloggers. So that's something to really look forward to. And then you're going to get my thoughts on it Monday and then Wednesday as well, before we end up transitioning to 
um, the final cut down day and final preseason game. And there's a lot to look forward to before week one. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching live. We see all of you in the comments. We're very appreciative of you guys. From Dave, I'm Tyler. One thing we always say here, Skull Vikings, baby. But first, Dave's drinking corner, corner, drinking Devil Rivers Rye. I told you I was in a spicy mood tonight. So I'm going to do that. I've been doing that. Tastes good. And for VAQ and Brace to Suck, I was a crusty old KC-135 crew chief is what I grew up. So, I want to thank everybody that's been here, watched us, and as always, Skull Vikings! Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.